0: So, Jean and I, let's see, a week ago Monday, we went and hiked Bridge of Heaven in Uray. If you've ever done that hike, it's a great hike. It's, you know, you go up and you're on this, uh, well, kind of like a little bridge. It's just like this ledge, and as you're walking across it, you can see everything. It's just so beautiful. You look one way, and there's courthouse and Chimney Rock, and then Sneffels over here, and then you can see Silverton, and it's just gorgeous. And you know we're standing up there, and then, and I was thinking of bringing pictures, but the pictures they never do justice, do they? It's just like you have to be there. You have to be in that moment. And every time I come up to the top of a peak or I do a climb like that. And you're just standing there. There's just this, I don't know, something happens where it's just like worshipful for me. And you breathe it in and you're just in that moment. And, you know, we're in a a culture, society, a time right now where that just happens less and less. You know, I got to tell you, like I'm doing this thing, but I'm thinking about the next thing. And if I have, like, a, another, like, minute, you know, i got to just kind of fill it with my phone. And, and the idea of just showing up and being in the moment and being there is just getting lost on us. In this uh, series right now, we're talking about connected. And the truth is, is if you're going to have connection, you've got to be there. You've got to be in the moment. You've got to show up. And this whole series was birthed out of Genesis 2.18 where God created Adam, and he says, And it is not good for man to be alone, that he created us, first of all, for connection with him. And so we've spent three weeks talking about our vertical connection, our connection with God, most important thing in your life. And the second most important thing in our lives is our connection with others. And we're going to talk today about our connection with others. But in order for you to be really connected with people, you have to be there and not just be there, but really show up. Woody Allen said that 80% of success is showing up. And I think he's right. I think being present is part of it, but it's more than just kind of like, well, here I am. It's to engage. It's to bring your heart forward and to actually connect with what God is doing and connect with others in the middle of these relationships. I went to a men's retreat uh, years ago when I was living on the Front Range, and a friend of mine invited me, and we went, and I got to tell you, I had a bad attitude before I even got in the car. I was just like, I don't want to do this. And then, you know, I went and saw we were all sleeping, and they put us all in bunk beds in one room, and like, 30 men in bunk beds. It's just like, who does that? That's that's cruel and unusual. And and, and so, you know, that night, this cacophony of snoring, it was just like, I'm like, ruh, ruh, ruh. and so I I actually, I think it was like 15 degrees out and I have a zero degree bag in my car and I just grabbed it and I slept in my car. I'm like, I can't do this. And then the next morning, the first thing they do, the first thing is they, they cut a hole in the ice and we're all supposed to jump in it. And I was like, nope. Not jumping in the ice. I know who I am in Jesus. I don't don't need to prove it right now. And so I I ended up, uh, I left the uh, retreat early and I was talking to my friend who invited me and afterwards I said, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I left early. And he says, well, I'm sorry you never showed up. And I was like, you're right. I didn't. And know it's interesting, if you come to a thing, if you come here right now, if you're ready to be annoyed, if you're ready to be offended, if you're ready to not like this, you're not going to be disappointed. You will find something that doesn't work, right? I mean, have you ever said, I'll go, but I won't like it, right? You're right. You were probably right when you said that because you're not showing up. You're not bringing, you're not giving it a real chance, And real connection with other people is you've got to show up in an engaged, authentic, real way. And I want to show you, I I did a little searching in scripture about others, about connecting with other people. Now, we've talked, there's so many benefits, and it all starts with this connection with Jesus and the connection with the Father, and he wants to be your friend and walk hand in hand. It's beautiful and it's powerful, but it doesn't end there. What are the two greatest commandments? Love God and love others, right? The two most important things in life are your connection with God and your connection with others. And I want to show you, go ahead and bring up these passages here. These are the benefits. These are not the benefits of connection with God. I mean, many of them come from that. But these are the benefits that Scripture says that comes from real connection with other people. Check this out. So if you want growth and sharpening, you need to be connected with other people. If you want strength and help in your weakness, connect with others. Help to see our sins and mistakes comes from connection. Help through our sin and our shame, what a powerful thing, comes from real connection. Restoration and rebuilding when we fail. God has encouraged us to do that with one another. That's how we get restored. We carry each other's burdens. What an important thing. There's more. Go ahead and bring it to the next one. Encouragement, building you up challenge to be the best we can be you can be pretty good on your own but you cannot be the best that god has for you without other people multiplication of our efforts you could do one thing you could do 10 times as much if you are connected with others help in understanding truth and increase maturity comfort in your struggles and your difficulty cures for your loneliness and i love this one you find your place and you find your pur- purpose but it's in the connect context of connection with other people Now, if you want to, you can go it alone. And if you're will still go to heaven, it could just be you and God. But listen, you won't have any of that. If you decide that you're not going to reach out, you're not going to get beyond yourself, that you're not going to live this amazing thing that God has for us, you're going to miss out on all that goodness that God has for you. And this is such an exciting time right now, church, where I think we are in an age, in history, where church connection is absolutely essential, where God is calling us, of course, first of all, to be connected, passionate, sold out, all in for him, and then to be the church, to be connected with one another. And I think this is one of the things that is really setting us apart from the rest of the world right now. Because the rest of the world is angry and it's pushing away, it's drawing lines, it's isolating. And we are going to be countercultural and we're going to say, no, 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 no. See, we are actually going to press into one another right now. We're actually going to have deeper connections to one another because we know that our connection with God and being whole in who He is, it is found in those relationships. That's the way He has set it up. And what an exciting time that we could be so different from the world just by being connected with one another. It's such a contrast with what's going on in our culture right now. So I've got some thoughts here, some biblical ideas, instruction on how you can have real connection with people, how you can real, really cross that divide and you can have genuine relationship. And it all is found in showing up. And the first one is show up in genuine interest about the other person. James 1.19 tells us this. He says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We need to be quick to listen. The place that we start is hearing what other people say and hearing their heart. Um, Terry Thompson just gave me a book called The Six Conversations. It's a horrible title. It's a great book, Terry, horrible title. And the title is this, The Six Conversations, Pathways to Connecting in an Age of Isolation and Incivility by Heather Holman, okay? And it's the, the cover is even worse. It's like an ugly cover. And so he, she handed to that to me at the beginning of this, and, I re- and it is powerful. So um, it's called The Six Conversations by Heather Holman, if you want it. And, and I went through this, and um, even though the title looks bad and everything else, I found that there's four things that she says that you need to connect And she backs it all with scripture because she gives a great theological basis for this thing. And so I'm going to give you these four things because I, I was reading it up at our family reunion and I was just like, oh, this is so true. This is so right. Okay, so you might want to write these down. These are four things that you need. And I'll talk a little bit more about them as we go. But the first is be curious. And what she's saying there is that you just ask questions. You ask people, what's going on with you? You're curious and interested in their life. That's a powerful key and indicator for connection. Be curious. The second one is believe the best. Now, this one is huge in our culture right now. Everyone is so ready to be mad. Everyone is so ready to believe the worst, to assume the worst intentions from other people. But Scripture tells us to put the best construction on everything so when we come, we actually give people the benefit of the doubt. You know, so many of our relationships are broken right up here in our own minds because we come with our cynicism, we come with our judgments, we come with our baggage, and we don't believe the best about them, so we're just like, forget them, right? But Scripture says, no, that's not how we do it. We actually believe the best of their intentions and believe the best of their heart. And sure, maybe they've got problems and issues, but we're going to believe that there's good in there, that God is actually, that they're valuable, and we're going to call that out in them. Powerful, powerful thing. The third thing is express concern. Express concern, a powerful tool for connection. Now, now here's the thing. Has anyone here, have you ever been in a really, really hard place and someone came and stepped into that with you and showed that they care? Don't you love them? Aren't you thankful? Isn't there a connection that took place there? Like, wow. I mean, it made all the difference, didn't it? You found a connection you couldn't find anywhere else. Here's the neat thing is you and I get to be those people. That when we see people in pain, we can actually step into it and express concern. Just real compassion. Oh, I'm so sorry. How can I help? Here I am. Maybe say nothing at all and just be there, right? What a powerful, powerful thing. And here's the fourth one. Share your life. This is the one I'm the worst at. Share your life. Let other people in to who you are and what's going on. And so I'm reading this book up at our family reunion. And I was just kind of like, oh, wow, wow, wow. and then uh, as I was doing that, my daughter, she's right next to me, and I, I told her, I was like, oh, Maddie, I, I, I'm bad at all of them. And she says, oh, yeah, Dad, you're horrible at them. She says, you're a horrible conversationalist. She says, you care, but uh, you're not great at asking questions. I was just like, oh, I thought I was so good at it. But here's the thing. I told her, I was like, well, I'm going to get good at it. I'm gonna, these are things I can work on. I'm so excited. As I read that book, I was like, I don't have to be bad at this. These are things that I could actually practically change. And I could decide that I'm going to be curious. And I could decide that I'm going to press in and express concern. And I could decide, you know, I'm going to believe the best about people, even though that's not my nature. And I could decide, uh, that's scary, but I'm going to share my life. And some of you are like, "Ah, I'm not, I'm just, I'm not a talker. So I'm not asking to be a talker. Well, I'm not very good at relationships. Guess what? Get good at it. Get good. I'm not good at conversation. Well, it's time to improve. You may not be as good as some, but you could be better than you are. And we could grow in this because this is essential. You know, we have a friend, and this person asks amazing questions. But then every time this person asks the questions, they go and answer them. It's so frustrating. They'll ask us a question, and we'll be like... And then they'll just kind of go on. I'm like, you don't want to know what we want to think. You just like to ask great questions and talk about it. It's so powerful to stop. And what did James say? Listen. Be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. And here's the key to connection. It's not about what you get. It's about what you give. And here's the trick. See, giving doesn't usually come in what you speak. It usually comes in what you hear. Do you get that? That giving in a relationship actually comes, the most giving thing you can do in a relationship is hear someone else's heart. That is a powerful gift to give someone. I mean, is anybody here that wouldn't want that? That person knows me. They hear me, they understand, they care. And how would your relationship with, with other people change if the key goal, your key goal became Contribution. John Maxwell, his uh, key goal, no matter if he's writing, if he's speaking, if he's talking to someone, he says, the one thing I want to do in everything I do is I want to add value to someone else's life. That's pretty good. Think about that because every single person in here, every person out there is worth that. To add value to their life. And what if we came in our relationships that way? How can I add value to them? And how can you know how to add value if you don't know what they value. It has to start by listening, to hear them, to know their heart. Think about that. If you did that with your spouse, how can I add value to her life? How can I add value to him? How, how can I add value to my children and my parents and my brothers and my sisters and my coworkers and our friends? What can I add to them? I mean, that's beautiful. And you take that and you're going to have some amazing relationships. Every encounter, how can I add value to you? Wow. See, J- James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak. So you speak. But he's saying, hear them, see them, value them. And who here, who wouldn't want that? Is there anybody here who wants less of that? Like that someone would see me, hear me, and value me? I mean, come on. What a powerful thing. Who wouldn't benefit from being heard, seen, and valued? And yes, you speak, and yes, you add, but that's slow. That's after you hear, after you see. And I want you to understand in our relationships and our connections, that consistency, that's one of the biggest things. When you talk about showing up, it's just to keep going and keep going. And unfortunately, the big Disneyland moment or the big beach moment in your lives, that's not going to cover it. That's not going to do it. You know, we were talking at the family reunion. We were talking about uh, our best memories, right? That, like, so I, we asked, okay, what was your best thing growing up? And so now, uh, so Maddie starts talking. And, and now you got to understand, like I've jumped out of an airplane with her, you know, and we, we've gone for like massive backpacking trips. We've gone down rivers I and mean, we've done all sorts of just crazy big adventures, big big, big vacations. And she says, my best memory The best thing is when we were little, and we used to play this stupid game called sheepdog and wolves. And so I was the sheepdog, and I would sit there, and they told me that my job I have to go like this. I put my head here, and I slowly move it over here, and I just keep moving my head. And there was a little TV remote that they would put behind the couch, and their job is like when I would look away, they would run over and they would grab it, and then I would chase after them and get it and wrestle it away from them. I was like, that's your best memory. I mean, after all that we've gone through, all we, I mean, all the big experiences that we've created for you, that's it. Yep. Because it's consistency. It's being there. It's engaging. It's really showing up. I mean, it wasn't my favorite game, right? But it was hers. So I met her where she was. Now, we can do this right now. So I want you to think of one relationship that you want a better connection. Okay. And I'm actually gonna ask the Holy Spirit to come into this right now, right? So one relationship, and, and now I, uh, to get that in your mind now, I want you to pray this. Just say this, say, say, Holy Spirit, just close your eyes. Holy Spirit, how can I bring value to them? One way, Lord. Holy Spirit, I ask you to show every single one of us one way that we can bring value to that relationship. Show every single one of us. We wanna bring value, Lord, they're worth it. Right, He's shown many of you already. You already know what to do, so do it. And those of you he hasn't shown yet, he will show you. You're going to see it. You're going to be with them, and all of a sudden you're be like, hey, I know what to do right now. It's coming, okay? Just do it. And if we would take this approach with every single person, watch the connections that you make. Watch the depth of your relationship. I mean, have you ever noticed that people, that when their goal is to bring value, that those people are incredibly valuable? And have you ever noticed those people that are coming to you to get value, that you're just like, oh, they're so tiring. But those who come to give value, what a blessing they are. Let's be those people. Let's be the ones who reach out right now. All right, so here's the second thing. Is that we show up, whoa, almost fell off there. I'm okay. You show up in humble honesty. Show up in humble honesty. So let's go over to Ephesians 4. Verse two, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. I'll tell you, that's one of the things that I pray over us all the time. Oh Lord, just unify us. It's so beautiful, it's so pleasing when we live together in unity. so powerful and anointed when we live together in unity. And it comes when we're just humble, when we're gentle, when we lay down our own pride and our own agenda. And you know what one of the greatest problems with our connections is? I think one of the greatest problems with your connections, you know what I think it is? Is your defenses. See, I think we come into these relationships with force fields on. we got the shield in front of us. And I think it's one of the most common ways of not showing up is that we aren't who we really are at the table. This is the share your life part, that you bring who you really are. And see, we've got this image that we want to project to other people, right? And I guess that's fine for closing a sale or negotiating a contract, but it does not work for human connection because human connection comes with authenticity. It's who you really are meeting with who someone else really is. And for connection to be real, you have to be real. And many of us, we need control, right? Because this is broken. I mean, this relationships are broken. That's one of the first places Satan is going to go because these are so powerful. He wants to destroy your relationship with your spouse and your parents. I mean, especially when you're little, just to give you these bad models so you walk in this your whole life and you put the force fields on and you keep people away because he knows how much life comes from us being together. And so we want to control the outcome. We want to control the possibility. They will not reject me. We're going to make sure that we don't get the response that we've gotten before. I mean, have you ever said, never again? Never again. Be careful when you make a vow be careful. I will never allow someone to hurt me like that. I'll, I'll never let someone treat me like that again. I'll, let ne- I'll never let someone reject me, ignore me, do that to me again. Now listen, we can have boundaries and Jesus talks about this. There are wise ways to go about relationships and he's not asking you just to go out there and just kind of throw your heart into the meat grinder you know, and keep throwing it back in and, and ask him to trample on it some more. In fact, look at Matthew 7 verse 6 jesus tells us it's a surprising passage do not give dogs what is sacred do not throw your pearls to pigs if you do they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces now we're talking a little bit about judgment here we're talking a little bit about truth but i also think we are talking about our heart because i believe your heart is sacred Who you are is sacred. It is a beautiful, precious, precious thing. And there are people, unfortunately, who will trample it. And there are people in my family that I want connection with, but I know that it's not safe. And there are certain boundaries that I have to have. Like, this is as far as we go, because I know what happens if I go past there. I understand that, okay? But here's the problem. We say never again with anyone. And that's not what Jesus says. He's saying be discerning, be wise. Don't give sacred treasures to dogs, okay? And then don't give the pearl to pigs. Be discerning. But listen, many of us here, we have to learn how to trust someone again. We have to learn just how to trust again, how to open up our hearts again, how to show up again. A, you see, what, what happens is we go through these things and we pick up all this relational baggage, rejection, rejection, Lies and isolation and hurt. And, you know, we carry it around with us our whole lives. And I've prayed for people well into their 70s and 80s about things that happen when they're six. Carrying it for decades. And what happens is we got this big backpack and then we come into the next relationship and guess what? The first thing we do is we just put it out there right in front of us. Boom. And in order to find me and to get to my heart, you got to get through my baggage. And I put all my baggage on you. It's such an unfair thing to do. Early in our marriage, I would do this to Gina all the time. Just kind of put my stuff on her. She's like, why are you responding to me that way? I'm not even doing that. And and what it was is because I saw her through the filter of my pain. And I was projecting it and putting it onto her. It's so unfair. And so so we move those defenses. We move that stuff out of the way. Listen, that new person is not your ex-spouse. They're not your mother or your father or, or whoever did that. And it's not fair for you to put your baggage onto them and expect them to prove your lies wrong. That's something we've got to work out with God and open up our hearts and come to this relationship honestly. Be real. Be humble. Show up. And I'm not asking you to be something that you are, and I'm not asking you to pretend. I'm just asking you to reach across to other people from where you are and who you are. And one of the great tools we have for connection is conversation. Huge path for connection, where we ask, and James says, we listen and we contribute. Here's the third thing, so beautiful. This is one of the things, guys, that, that if anyone should get it, it should be us. This is the one where we should be winning. This is the one that Christians should understand better than anyone else in the world. And that is as we come to our relationship, we show up with grace. Show up with grace. This is the express concern part of those little four steps I gave before. So let me show you Colossians 3 just to show you this is all rooted in the word of God. Colossians 3, verse 13 It says, bear with each other, forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's heavy. How did God forgive you? While we were yet enemies of God, Christ died for us. While we were opposed to him, while we were resistant, while we were fighting against him, he chased us down and reached after us. That's some serious grace. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect union. There's just such great relationship advice in the word of God. If we could just get a hold of doing it the way that God says, it's just gonna go so much better. It's so beautiful and powerful. Brene Brown is a researcher and uh, her dissertation was all on shame. She spent a lot of time researching shame. And she found that in her research, she found the solution to shame. She said that shame is healed when shame is shared with someone else and is met with empathy. That's pretty good. So I come to a counselor, I come to a pastor, I come to a friend, I come to a family member, and I say, oh, I am so ashamed of what was done with me, done to me, what, what I did. I was so, they're just, oh. And I bring that to them, and they say, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, that had to be difficult. Oh, God has better for you. I'm so glad that's not who you are anymore. I could see why you would go into something like that and make that choice. There's freedom for you. What a powerful thing. And this is the theory that I have on that, is that shame is actually often given by a person, so it needs to be released to a person, right? But Brene didn't have to do all that research. She could have just read her Bible. And if she would have just read her Bible, she could have saved all those years of her doctorate. And she would have seen in James 5.16 5.16 that the Bible already told her to do this, which is therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I love this. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Do You see the context of the prayer of a righteous man? It's powerful, but the context there is, okay, the healing and the prayer power, it comes when we confess our sins to each other. We share our baggage. It's a powerful, powerful thing. Life comes. When we pray for one another, God comes and meets that. What a beautiful, wonderful thing. And what do others find when they bring shame and when they bring disappointment to you? What do others find when they disappoint you? How do you respond? You know, um, we, uh, Gina and I, we read these books when we were, you know, we so badly wanted to teach our kids the right way. And when you get to my age, parents with young kids, I just want to tell you, you're going to look back on your parenting and you're going to say, oh, that was stupid. All right? And so here's one of those moments. So we read this book about how you're never supposed to give any kind of attention uh, or, or good or bad when your kids do something wrong, right? Because that reinforces it. So we're like, all right. And so I literally, GNN was just talking about this the other day, that I literally, when my kids were bad at the kitchen table, I would grab them like this. I would pick them up I would barely look at them, and I would just bring them, and I would put them in their room. That's how I did That's That was stupid. I, I don't understand that. So now, when my kids do something wrong, there's two things that I want them to know. The first is, you're going to have to deal with it, right? You have to deal with it. Here's the second thing, though, is that even though you have done that, you are every bit as valuable, loved, and precious to me as you were before. And even in the midst of it. So I wish that I would have picked them up, brought them in, hugged them close, set them in time out. I love you. Even now. I mean, isn't that what the Father does for us? Even in the middle of it. He doesn't doesn't hold you like this. Well, once you figure it out, I'll pick you up again. Right? Once you clean up your act, come back to me. Always. Brings us right in. Are there consequences? Sure. Do we need to repent? Do we need to deal with our actions? Absolutely. But what a powerful connecting tool that God has given us to meet disappointment, to meet failure, to meet shame with compassion and grace. This is one church that we get to have. This should be ours. We should own this one, shouldn't we? We should be the ones who know this. So can you give grace to your family members? Can you give approval and grace to your friends, to your coworkers? And if not, I would just challenge you to remember what grace was given to you. Remember the grace that he lavishes on us. The other thing you got to know is this includes grace for yourself. Some of you are pretty good at giving away, but you're not very good at receiving it. And, And listen, moms, your kids do not need a perfect mother. They need a present mother. And, and your kids don't need a blameless father. They need an engaged father. They need a father who's going to show up. And your friends don't need someone who's faultless. They don't need someone who's perfect. They need someone who is consistent. It just keeps coming, even after the conflict. That's a big one in our culture right now. Breaks my heart how people have these little spats, and it's like, boom, they just drop each other off. But a powerful, powerful connecting tool we have to say, after the fight, to show up the next day, to be there the next week, to decide I'm not going to pick up this offense, I'm not going to let this come between us. I'm going to extend grace. But if you can't extend grace to yourself, it's going to be really, really difficult to, to extend grace to others. You know why? Because your shame and baggage are always going in front. They're leading the way for you. So this is a small group uh, Sunday for us. This is we're having our small group launch. And I really want to encourage you that if you are not in a small group, we have all of our new small groups that are launching. They're going to be table leaders uh, right here after the service. They're going to be through those doors. And we're going to feed you lunch. And you have the chance to kind of walk around. They're all on these tables around the edge. And if you're not in a small group, you can visit every single one of those and see which is a good fit for you. And the reason that I wanted you to do this, I'm encouraging you. This is so important. Because in our small groups, this is what we do, is we share who we are and we hear who others are. Massive connections. And then we talk about the most important things in life, our faith and our walk with God. It's a powerful, powerful tool for connection. So listen, I want to encourage you, if you are not in a small group, get over there after this service and just look around, sign up, and join one. And I'll tell you, my very best friends that are decades long have all come from small groups. some of my deepest closest friends and relationships many of the people who i'm friends with here we were in small group together that's how it happens just a powerful tool and see what we're going to do is we're going to help each other find ourselves in jesus and this is the thing this is the advantage this is the power that we have finding ourselves in jesus and connecting with jesus if we have this connection it does such amazing things for our connection with other people because by connecting with jesus it allows you to be known by others let me show you how. See, I am broken. I'm sinful. I've made some really big mistakes. I keep doing it. I keep having mistakes. I've got some thoughts that aren't great. And in the middle of that, I am forgiven and loved by Jesus. That Jesus loves me right where I am. In fact, at your very, very worst, Jesus knew you and he loved you. And see, that's really, really good because I could come to you now and I could say, you know what, I'm broken, I have these issues, I've got problems, want to be my friend? Because I know who I am in Jesus. This is who I am. And that allows other people, when when you're connected to Christ, it allows others to find themselves through you. Because when you're found in him, you can reach beyond yourself. You can reach beyond your own hurt and your own focus and your own self- selfishness. And you can reach in past their junk, right? And the next thing it does when we're connected with Jesus, it opens up these doors for real connections. Because you don't come in with a neediness for approval. You know, I already have approval. I already know that I'm approved. I'm seated in the heavenlies with God right now. I've got a place. And I don't have to use you to get anything because in him I already have everything. So my relationship, I get to be a giver. I can reach beyond my issues because he's reached beyond mine. What a beautiful thing that we can reach to one another because of Christ. So church, let's commit to connecting Let's commit to healthy relationships. Yeah, first of all, connection with Jesus, and then that connection with other people. It's so powerful. It brings healing and life and change, purpose and growth. So I'm going to pray for you, Lord. I just thank you. I thank you that you saw me, you saw us at our very worst, you loved us. Lord, you saw us when when we were selfish and you see the thoughts that we have and the the ways that we we react and respond and you still reach out toward us and connect with us. And Lord, I pray that in that knowledge, in that understanding, Lord, that we could be bridge builders, that we could be connectors. Lord, that we we don't have to look to anyone for anything, Lord, that that we look to, to them to love them, to care for them, to reach out to them. Lord, help us to love the unlovable. Help us to care for the uncared for. Lord, help us to make connection with one another here in our family. Unify us. Holy Spirit, would you unify this body? Let us be a connected people, Lord, who love like Jesus loved. Lord, thank you for the great grace. Thank you for inviting us in. And Lord, we pray that you would give us the grace to share it with others. In Jesus' name, amen.